You're watching The Sports Objective, the podcast for pirates. You're listening to Absolute Empowerment with Coach Jeff Connors on The Sports Objective. Join Coach C, a USA Strength and Conditioning Hall of Famer, every Monday night to see in a variety of guests, including former players, former and current coaches, pastors, and others will discuss relevant issues in coaching today's athlete with the goal of equipping the athlete and those coaching them with the physical, mental, and spiritual armor necessary to live their best life. Here's Coach Connors. Welcome to Absolute Empowerment with Jeff Connors. Today's a very special day for the show because we have Dr. George Kuntz on the show, former starting linebacker for the Green Bay Packers, Super Bowl champion, ECU Hall of Famer, and also a senior vice president for university relations at Marion University. And my friend, Dr. George Kuntz, uh, welcome to the show. Man, it's a pleasure. Uh, <laughs> I've been waiting for the invite, uh, but but my mailman, the postal, uh, the postal worker told me it got hung up somewhere. So I've been, I've been <laughs> waiting for this invite to come up and uh, have a conversation with you. I got you. Well, George, what I want to talk about maybe first was kind of, you know, how we got to know each other, how we became friends. And, uh, you know, I didn't have the opportunity to coach you directly when you were at ECU. I got there, uh, I guess, a year after you graduated, got there in, uh, for the 91 season. But uh, during the time you were with the Packers, you were home and uh, we got I had the uh, pleasure of meeting you. And then we actually started to train together. And uh, uh, I really uh, valued your friendship uh, quite a bit during that time period. We had a lot of fun together. And uh, so, you know, we we had to get ready uh, for Kent Johnson's program with the Packers. And uh, I remember that he ran that same test that I've run over the years that uh, 300 yard repeated shuttle in 25 yard increments. Uh, so we had that one. And then of course, uh, we did a lot of lifting together and, uh, and we spent some time eating breakfast at the Waffle House because that was one of the few uh, breakfast places in Greenville at the time. But uh, uh, I was extremely impressed uh, with your abilities, of course. Right. Uh, the one time you and I were, were benching, we'd usually do about five or six sets of bench. We were doing 315 for sets of five. And... Uh, here, I thought I was doing okay. And then one day you decided on the last set to hit about 12 reps with 315. So I guess when you were doing those sets of five, you just didn't want to make me feel bad. Well, but, uh, <laughs> but yeah, man, just uh, going back then. Uh, you trained well, first of all, well, first of all, you, you, you trained me well. I was very, very fortunate. Uh, like you said, I, uh, I miss you. Uh, uh, our ships kind of pass uh, through the night uh, with you coming to East Carolina and me kind of leaving, transitioning to the, the professional ranks. But uh, I was very fortunate because I had you uh, as my personal strength and conditioning coach for about 
if I played nine years in the uh, the National Football League or or ten years professionally, I had you uh, in my corner for eight of those of those ten years. So I was very very blessed, and uh, I take it as a I take it as a plus because if I would have been in college, I would have had you for about five or maybe uh, four years. But I had a chance to work with you uh, for a total of about eight, which uh, actually added about three or four years to my career because of our relationship. Well, I certainly appreciate that, George. And uh, it was definitely my pleasure Uh we did a lot of things socially as well. And, um, and I remember the one summer that we had, uh, you were particularly outstanding going into camp. And then I think that's the year you made the NFL all strength team. Uh, you know, you reported and ran what, like a four, six at 240 some pounds and also uh, hit uh, 315 for 18 reps, which is kind of unheard of. Right. Right. And, I ran a four. Yep, you uh, you sent me back to Green Bay with a a four six one. I had six percent body fat, and uh, and when the, the the test for the bench press came around, I was able to to hit it for eighteen times. And uh, <laughs> and uh, and when you prepare like that, physically uh, and mentally on the off season, a lot of times that transfer over into the season. And uh, I was able to get a contract extension from the Green Bay Packers because of my my play on the field, but uh, but that was a direct reflection from the hard work that we put in on the offseason training. Yes, sir. And uh, also, you know, I really enjoyed visiting uh, Green Bay and uh, meeting your fellow defensive players had a chance to socialize with them some. And, and, and George, what I really recognized during that time was the camaraderie was off the charts about how you guys cared about each other, lifted each other up. And uh, maybe you could mention a few guys that I had the opportunity to meet and spend a couple, couple evenings with, uh, maybe just kind of talk about that camaraderie a little bit. Well, I think all of that started uh, when Reggie White, came onto the scene in 1993. I like to back up just a little bit. Sure. I came out of uh, East Carolina in 1990 as a senior. Uh, prior to that, I was at Chowan College in Murfreesboro, North Carolina. I didn't play a whole lot as a freshman. They had an a, a unbelievable coach that took over uh, the program in Chowan uh, back in 19, the 1958 season. And I think he had like a 40-year run at, uh, at Chowan, and he prepared a lot of players. Specifically, he prepared a lot of Pirates, future Pirates. I'm talking about players like Mike Grant. Uh, I'm talking about players like a Jody Schultz, who was an outside linebacker for Chowan, came to East Carolina, was a second rounder. He had players like that coming out of the program, and I wanted to follow those guys. So uh, I looked up to him. He talked about a, talked about those guys a lot uh, during practice and on and on trips and in, and, and inside the cafeteria. So I said, uh, East Carolina is a place for me. 
And all, and on top of that, I was very, very familiar with East Carolina because of the proximity uh, from Greenville to New Bern, North Carolina. So uh, East Carolina, it wasn't really uh, uh, any other school, any other offer that I would have accepted outside of East Carolina because uh, I was a defensive player of the year on the East Coast at Chowan. And I had a lot of teams coming, uh, uh, Tennessee, NC State, you know, UNC Chapel Hill, uh, but the Wake Forest, uh, but the school for me was East Carolina. I thought it would be a great fit. I thought it would be a great fit for my family. And it turned out to be so. And, yeah, sure. uh, and when Reggie, getting back to it, we had a great locker room. At, in, in Chowan and Murfreesboro, North Carolina. And then in Greenville, we had a great locker room. And then when I got to Green Bay in 1992, uh, things was a little different. Uh, the leadership was a little different. The Packers had been on a, uh, they was in a very particular, uh, uh, a very interesting, I'm going to say it like that, a very interesting situation for almost 20 years. Um, and that was uh, unheard of for a franchise that had won that has won so many championships. Uh, the Green Bay Packers have won about third now. Now, if you count the ones recently, a total of thirteen championships. But at the time when I got there, the leadership was awful. Gosh, awful. And when I got there, I was 22, 23 years old. Uh, I was an undrafted free agent. So what I did was just keep my, I just kept my mouth shut and just went with the, went with the flow and, and, and just uh, try to build relationships with guys in the, in the locker room uh, because I didn't have a voice, but that all changed around April 9th, uh, 1993. When my good friend Reggie White comes to the program and we had we had a, a, a many a conversations. Reggie White came to me one day and said he instantly saw that I had great relationships with the players on the team. And Reggie said, Coombs, I want to cut a deal with you. And I didn't even know what he was talking about. Reggie said, I want to cut a deal with you. He said, You give me the locker room, and I give you everything else you want platform, leadership, contract extension, etc. I said, give you the locker room? What, what do you mean by give you the locker room? <laughs> he said, uh, he said, Kunsi, the guys love you. They they come to you for everything. And see, they, they the, the mystique of Reggie White shies them guys away from me. But if they can just come to me and just find out that I'm just like them, we can take this program to another level. I said, Reggie, we can make that happen. So I'm going to give an example. Uh, our teammate, let's say like a Doug Evans, yeah. he'll come over to me and say, Coons, uh, my father just passed away and uh, I need to get back to uh, – uh, Louisiana, uh, do you know anything about a bereavement ticket? So what I would do then was call Reggie over to the locker, and I would say, Reggie, uh, uh, Doug Evans has a situation. His father just passed. 
And uh, is there anything we can do for us talking to the organization, talking to the coaches? And Reggie and Doug will start talking, and I slip out of the way. Yeah. So now it's just them two talking. So next thing you know, they done built the relationship. Right. So I did that multiple times, over 25, 30 times in the locker room. Next thing you know, when guys needed something, they went straight to Reggie. Yeah. And that's the way it should be. Because he was a bona, he was a bona fide leader. And he took the Packers out of the gutter to where they where they're at now. I'm on I'm very fortunate to be on the Packer board of directors. So I get yep. a chance, uh, you know, I've, I've gone from the locker room to the boardroom. So now I've had a chance, I got I have a chance to look at the uh, uh the numbers, look at what they look at the books as they say. Yeah. There's 32 uh, franchises in the National Football League. And those 32 franchises are in metropolitan cities. Cities like New York, Miami, Chicago, Cincinnati, Cleveland, L.A., Denver. You get the meaning, Washington. Yeah. Green Bay has 160,000 people in the city, city limits. Some neighborhoods in Chicago has 160,000 people. But what I'm trying to get at, out of those 32 organizations, when you look at the P&Ls and you look at the money they bring in, the Green Bay Packers stand at number nine. Wow. So they're competing against Dallas. Yeah. Who, who they say supposed to be America's team. Great, mm -hmm. great organization. Great brand, but the Green Bay Packers are nothing to play with when it comes to what they put on the field and what they do behind the scenes for as a business organization because they have to, they have to be ran completely like a business because they don't have an owner to bail them out. Yeah. Okay. Gotcha. Well, you know, uh, also, when you kept your Mercedes and your Hummer at my house, I had to explain to my neighbors that I did not have some kind of clandestine activity going on. So uh, <laughs> I appreciated being able to drive that Hummer around a little bit too. Right. I left off, you know, one thing about the Packers, uh, a lot of the guys, and it speaks true today, you don't really uh, have to bring your, your personal vehicles because uh, the dealerships up in Wisconsin are more than willing to give a, 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 a current Packer and even yeah. former Packers uh, uh, something to drive. And uh, you and Michelle has been kind to my family uh, for over uh, close to about 20 years, 20, 20 plus years now. Uh, Coach, see, we can go on and on. We could talk about the story where we went in the mountains of West Virginia and went. Oh, yeah. I, I don't know if you're going to get to that, but. Uh, we can go on and on and on about uh, uh, our relationship and things that we've experienced together. Uh, to, for, for me, you are just like a brother. And uh, just that so happened that uh, you trained me and made me one of the best linebackers in the National Football League. And if you go look at the numbers, uh, the Green Bay Packers have, have been playing football since 1919. Over 10,000 players have played in at least one game 
for the Green Bay Packers. 10,000 has played in over one game. But the guy that you the guy that you train from Little New Bern, North Carolina, East Carolina University, when they rank when football reference ranked the top 1,000 players, they didn't take the whole 10,000. They said, well, we'll take the top 1,000. The guy that you trained and used to eat at Waffle House landed at number 73 mm-hmm. all the time. So we talking, we're not talking about the uh the Cincinnati Bengals organization. I'm not trying to trying to dish the Cincinnati Bengals or the Carolina Panthers, but the Green Bay Packers got history. And for this little kid that you was able to bring out the best of, I, or, I, my family's indebted to you because <laughs> That's I'm, awesome, man. I'm being honest with you. I, I I've been, none of my kids have, have, have had to pay for college because of what the, the Green Bay Packers did for me right? Uh, from a financial standpoint. And that would have never happened if, if Jeff Connors wouldn't have came on the scene. Well, much appreciated, George. Uh, yeah, you know, uh, well, we can mention that little experience quickly. I Let's mean, go. Yeah. Let's go. A lot of people don't know where they know him from New Bern. They know him from Chowan, East Carolina. But let's go all the way back. Let's go. Let's go all the way back, Coach C. Because yeah. uh, because I'm 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 Eastern North Carolina inside out. Yeah. So uh, one of the things that we do on this show, week in and week out, is we talk about uh, where you grew up, how you grew up how you overcame adversity through faith to accomplish great things. And, you know, we, we've talked about this, of course, many times with each other, but uh, you grew up in a segregated small black community in Eastern North Carolina. And, uh, you know, we want to talk about that experience. So uh, uh, let's go ahead and get into that. Okay. Let's, let's jump into it. Uh, well, the records that I've uh, been able to obtain goes back to the late 1700s, uh, 1780. The, the United States wasn't a country when my people got here as enslaved people. Uh, the, the ship uh, that my ancestors was on came through Charleston, South Carolina, by way of Ghana. What part of Africa my ancestors come from, we don't know. But we do know the ship came from Ghana to Charleston, and then they were taken to the Jones County area. All right. So yeah, my grandma, my grandma, and I think you may have met my grandma Sudi. Um, yeah. She was born in 1912. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was believed that her her mother passed uh, at 34, 35 years old in ni- 19, let's say 1920. So they moved to New Bern, North Carolina because of job opportunities. And uh, my dad's brother was the first Koontz. His name is Johnny. Was the first Koontz to graduate from high school or college. And uh, it's very ironic that my uncle majored in sociology uh, from North Carolina Central. And... uh, and I, I received my PhD in sociology from uh, from a Catholic institution 
and uh, in Milwaukee, uh, Wisconsin. So uh, we have a long history uh, in uh, in Eastern North Carolina that that then sprouted out to St. Louis. I have relatives in Chicago, uh, uh, Miami, Florida. Um, so uh, we. We've been here for a while. Uh, I know we had another uh, Koontz in the program, a, a, a distant cousin, uh, Richard Koontz. Yeah. He came from that Jacksonville area, probably Richlands. That's where a lot of the Koontzes were. And uh, a lot of them was known as being educators. So um, my, my mom and my grandmother and my uncle preached that education was the, was the ultimate equalizer. Right. You have to have it. And I believe what Malcolm X said, education is the passport to the future for tomorrow belongs to those who prepare for it today. Malcolm X. So you have to, edu if education is not involved, it's going to be a tough road, road to hope. No doubt. Well, I'm very familiar with Richard Coates. Uh, He's on my Armored Life team, and I, I had a podcast with he and Danielle. And, of course, they met at ECU. She played basketball. And, uh, man, you talk about two quality individuals now. And, and Richard is the strength coach now, I believe, at Fayetteville State, doing a great job there. Wow. First so, class all the way. East Carolina has produced some some un, unbelievable individuals, not just players but coaches and, and administrators. Right. Well, George, uh, can you talk a little bit about uh, maybe a little bit more in depth about your experience at Chuan and a little bit about uh, the history of the uh, that football program and so forth? Well, coming out of, uh, uh, you know, a lot of people say, George, you're from, you know, uh, New Bern, but really I'm from uh, Duffyfield. Uh, Duffyfield is uh, uh, predominantly uh, a black neighborhood with about 120. 50 to 200 homes, let's say about close to 200 families. It was founded in the late 1890s. Uh, that's where I was uh, uh, born and raised. And my mom and dad separated when I was about nine years old. That's when I, I moved to uh, uh, the outer skirts of New Bern. Uh, hence, that's why I went to West Craven uh, High School. Uh, but Academically, I wasn't that strong. And uh, you hear a lot of people talking about Proposition 48 and uh, things like that. I didn't have the GPA, uh, nor did I have the, the ACT or the SAT to go to a, a four-year institution. Uh, so the NCAA said I had to go to a, a two-year college and graduate uh, if I wanted to go to a four-year institution. So. I went to Chowan. Uh, I heard about the uh, the history that they had in football and basketball. Uh, uh, but when I went to campus to visit, uh, I saw in the trophy case uh, a young man uh, wearing a, a number 93, and it was a Green Bay Packer uh, uniform. He had a, a Green Bay Packer uniform on. And I, I asked Coach Garrison, who was that? And he said, that's Robert Brown. Uh, 
He's from Edenton, North Carolina. George, he came here uh, 79 and 80. He transferred to Virginia Tech, and he was a fourth rounder to the Green Bay Packers. And I'm going to just tell you how God make how, how, how things work out, how God is always in it. He said, George, you come here and do what you're supposed to do academically because I think you're going to do just fine on the football field. You never know. Maybe one day you might be playing against Robert. And my mom laughed and we all smiled and we we walked off and we finished touring the campus. So uh, I end up uh, at that time with some unbelievable uh, incoming freshmen. Uh, my my uh my roommate was a tight end that transferred. His name was Craig Thompson. He transferred to North Carolina A&T, and he was a fifth rounder. Here I am. I'm transferring to East Carolina, thinking I'm gonna get drafted, and I didn't get drafted. And uh, and Craig got drafted, but I got to give Craig credit. He was one of he probably was the best uh, uh, player on our team at Chowan. Uh, yet, I, you know, I was the captain and I was the defensive player of the year on the East Coast. And I'm in the National Junior College Hall of Fame in there with uh, Cortez Kennedy, uh, uh, Keyshawn Johnson, uh, O.J. Simpson is in there. Uh, Warren Moon is in that Hall of Fame. Uh, so I'm in the, the National Junior Hall, Hall of Fame as well, along with being in, uh, being in uh, Chowan, um, college, Chowan University's Hall of Fame. So the program was stellar. And let's fast forward. Uh, I go uh, coming out of the NFL Europe uh, back in 1992. I get to Green Bay and uh, I walk into the locker room. The first guy to approach me was a guy that looked, looked very familiar, but I, I knew I'd seen him before, but I I didn't know him. He walked over to me and extended his hand. He said, I'm, I'm Robert Brown. Coach Garrison called me and told me you was coming to be a, a, a part of the Green Bay Packers. And Robert Brown was that guy that was in the trophy case when my mom and my family was touring Chowan College. Wow. So Robert Brown played 11 years for the Packers. He played from 80, 1982 to 1992. So 92 was my rookie year. So I had a chance to play with a guy that I looked up to that helped recruit me. And now I'm in the locker room with him. Uh, with him and he showed me how to be a professional. And then the next year, Reggie White came in, and then the rest is history. That's pretty amazing. And I forgot to mention when I was at UNC Chapel Hill, uh, for whatever reason, Reggie White was there and I was waiting on the elevator down at the bottom floor and the elevator opened. Here came stepping out of there, Reggie White. <laughs> so I tried not to be too starstruck and uh, we exchanged a few words, but uh, I did have a chance to meet him firsthand. So uh uh, I want to at least mention that and that was a very special day because I got to meet him. He was something um, else. He was something else. I think Reggie White's first 120 games in the NFL had a, a, 121 sacks. Wow. Yeah. 
played 15 years, had 198 and a half sacks. Mm. Yeah, he was uh, unblockable. Yep. <laughs> he had a heart of gold. Yep. No doubt. Well, uh, I just kind of rewind a little bit with uh, Wes Craven and Chawan. You know, uh, who were the people that influenced you the most as far as your development, mentorships, and things of that nature that you can remember from from those two places? And, uh, you know, I've asked you this one other time, you know, who who was the fight, the first white person you learned to trust? <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, growing up, you know, Coach C, you know, East Carolina, uh, uh, Eastern North Carolina, we have, unfortunately, we have some uh, uh, some very uh, tough history when it comes to uh, racial uh, violence and social injustice. You know, uh, growing up in New Bern, North Carolina, I'm, I'm about 50 miles from Wilmington, North Carolina, on Highway 17. And... Uh, and what happened in uh, November, I think November 3rd, November 6th, 1898, with the Wilmington Massacre, where uh, over close to a thousand African Americans was uh, was murdered. And, uh, and the mayor, the mayor at that time was African American, uh, and they, they upseated and overthrew the, the government and everything. So uh, we have some history, uh, but it's a great place, Eastern North Carolina. The state of North Carolina is a great place. We just have to be able to uh, talk with one another and learn to trust one another. And in, 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 my, in my personal case, uh, sports gave me that opportunity to intermix and intermingle, interface, people from different neighborhoods different from di and people from different races and we were able to ride on the activity buses together our parents was able to sit together in the bleachers and I and I really believe that sport brought our community and brought our high school closer together now look at things the way things are going now. Look like things are going backwards, but all I can speak on is when I was in high school, uh, we we didn't have uh, these type of flare-ups. We were uh, uh, getting along. Matter of fact, we didn't have any flare-ups uh, uh, in the in the 80s when I was in high school. Uh, I had some unbelievable coaches some un unbelievable teammates from all neighborhoods, you know, and I know a lot of people say, well, you know, uh, well, my best friend is black or, you know, my best friend is white, but man, I, I had all my friends was, they were just people to me. Cause I, my mama told, taught me to look at someone's humanity, right. not necessarily their skin color. That, 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 you know, looking at someone's skin color, that's, that's frivolous to me. Uh, look at someone, look at, look at someone's character and look at how they treat you. Then you make your decision. No doubt. 
Well, I know, you know, the football in my life, I always saw it as the great integrator because, you know, we just found a way to get together and form a team and win, you know, and, and love each other. And uh, that was huge for me. And my dad taught me that because he was our, our high school head coach and started a recreation program in the summer in the black community in 1966, which you didn't see too often. So I, I learned that at a very young age. Right. And uh, so I wanted to mention the fact that uh, your son, Christian, uh, who was at Chawan playing basketball, is now going to be going to uh, southwestern uh, Georgia, I believe. Yeah. I uh, was just here a couple weeks ago to train with me for a week. And, uh, you know, Michelle and I have <laughs> have grown uh, to love Christian. Uh, he is an incredible young man and uh, looks very much like father and uh, has a lot of the same good habits. And so we've, we've enjoyed him very much and just want to mention that about yeah. Uh, you know, his experience at Chuan as well and uh, the fact that he's going to be playing basketball. Yep. Yeah. Uh, Christian is a great young man. He uh, he came uh, he came here when he was born in Harlem. I was playing for the uh, Seattle Seahawks. His mom was working in uh, Manhattan at the time. And uh, right away, we, we felt as though we had to uh, make sure education was the most important thing. And and enrolled Christian in some really good schools, and and now he uh, he he speaks German fluently, uh, and I'm very proud of that. Um, I'm proud that he has his his undergrad, and, and now he's in um, in grad school, and he's having the chance to continue his dream, and that is to play basketball. Uh, he's a little bit taller than I am. I think he's probably about six four, six five, probably about 200, 205 pounds. But I wish him the best. I love him to death, and he does. Uh, as he gets older, he's starting to look like his dad a little bit. Absolutely. And, uh, you know, uh, last year when I worked with him, he's about 175, 178, now he's up to 195. So, uh, you know, he's doing real well with that. And uh, we've, uh, of course, I, I had to educate him a little bit about how to focus on his lower body a little bit more. So I know that he's doing that now, but I'll be anxious to see how he does this year. And uh, I know he's very excited. How about that, Coach C? Not only did you uh, uh, take care of me and look out for me as a uh, as a professional athlete, uh, now you now you second generation. You're looking out for uh, my son, who's uh, my legacy. Um, man, I, like I said earlier, I'm totally indebted to you because a lot of people don't know this. They, they think they, they think they know because they read in the articles, but they don't know how deep relationships run and, yes, uh, and how close families are really are. The Coonses and the Connors have a lot of history, a lot of history, but the community may not know. But our families, <laughs> but our families know, and like that's I, right. And like I said, and, and for me, that's the only thing that matters. As long as you and Michelle know, Caitlin and Bo know, that's that's the only thing that matters to me, because uh, uh, Christian has been hearing about you ever since he was a little bitty guy, you know. Uh, and uh, I'm so proud of him. I'm so proud that you get a chance to spend time with him. 
because I know the advice you're going to give him is the same advice you gave me, and it worked for me. So I'm pretty sure it's going to uh, work for him because uh, one thing about you, uh, uh, you spread the truth, no matter if you want to hear it or not. That's what you spread. And my mom said, one thing about the truth, it never go anywhere. It stays. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> my mama said a lot can, a lot can uh, change in, in many different forms. Yeah. But the truth is the truth. One, one plus one will always be two. Always. Sure. And you speak, right. And you speak the truth. And I thank you for that. Well, I appreciate that. I had the opportunity to drive about 71 miles this morning to uh, out to Camp Vandermeer, which uh, I don't even know how I got there, but I was asked to speak to Pamlico football team this morning. <laughs> and so uh, I got there about 930, about 32 kids there. And the first thing I talked to them about is the armor of God, because, you know, we, we're in a spiritual warfare every day, whether you know it or not. You're going to have to fight temptations and a lot of things. And if, if, if we weren't in warfare, we wouldn't need that armor. And so uh, we got the armor of God. And, of course, the only offensive weapon is the sword. Every other, uh, every other piece of that armor is a defensive weapon. But what I, what I opened up with them was I want to talk to you about the belt of truth because the belt of truth holds all the armor, other armor together. And so uh, what I wanted to give them was uh, the truth that I learned as a coach about how they're going to be attacked every day and how, you know, and I could get into this in a lot of depth, but I'll just mention a few things here. And basically you, know, you get 25 guys coming in as freshmen. By the time years, there's about five or six of them left. And uh, for different reasons, a, a lot of kids go by the wayside. And, uh, you know, that's one of the reasons I started my website to see if there's anything I could do to uh, save troubled athletes as an oasis for the troubled athlete. And that's a big reason I'm having these podcasts and trying to get more young guys to, to listen to these podcasts as well. Uh, but I also uh, I wanted to mention that uh, when I interviewed Robert Jones uh, last week and we talked about that successful 91 season uh, that we got the experience, he went back and basically said, hey, the reason we got to experience that is because of the leadership that George Koontz had in relationship to changing the culture of this football team uh, before he left. And so uh, can you maybe talk about that, George, your leadership and your role experience? Well, uh, coming to East Carolina was a dream come true. Uh, you know, I talked about some of the players, you know, Another player that I, that comes to mind is a guy named Kenny Phillips, uh, the late Kenny Phillips. Uh, he was a Chowan guy, uh, East Carolina guy. But uh, I really wanted to come to, to East Carolina uh, because I remember watching the Pirates as a young kid. And, and I, all, I always wanted to wear the purple and gold. And... Right. Um, and being at Chowan, it gave me an opportunity to be up front and be out front. And the guys, uh, the guys believed in me. 
uh, the coaching staff believed in me and I was able to hone uh, my leadership skills. So when I got to East Carolina, I was able to bring those, uh, those skills with me. And um, I think the guys were very, very receptive to it. We had some outstanding players at, uh, at East Carolina, uh, players like Luke Fisher, Robert Jones was no joke. He was a, a physical sp- a specimen on top of he could play the, uh, the position of a linebacker like no other. Uh, we had Ernie Logan, we had Walter Wilson. Uh, I, I can go on, uh, uh, go, go on and on. But uh, I just wanted to come in and, and not necessarily be a leader. I just wanted to come in and, and, and be the best pirate I could be and be, a, be the best student athlete I could be. And I think guys saw what I was trying to do. And a lot of them followed. I know we had Mark Washington on the team at the time. Uh, Jeff Blake was on the team. And uh, I really had a lot of fun. It was, uh, it was great being around those guys. And the most importantly, it was great to see those guys grow and develop into, into being, uh, some of them being excellent business people. Uh, I played with a guy named Will Lewis, who was in the construction business. Victor McBride, who went into the construction business, because I was uh, I was in construction management when I was at East Carolina. And uh, to see Jeff Blake develop into a, a one of the top uh, quarterbacks in the National Football League, and, and to see Robert do his thing and play over, play about a total of ten years, and had a outstanding uh, professional career and uh and, I, and you look at his family it's, it's, it's very seldom that you see uh someone have three sons to play in the national football league but but robert and his wife have pulled it off and i'm uh i'm extremely uh, uh grateful uh to be able to call him a friend and a leader and a pirate so no doubt. I think I spent about six or eight weeks rehabbing Frankie Smalls and Victor McBride when they were there. And I spent a lot of time with those two guys uh, while everybody else was practicing. And then, uh, you know, when I first got there, the first people I met were, you know, Ernie Lewis and uh, Jerry Dillon and Mark Washington and that crew. Uh, so, you know, David Daniels, all those guys. So they were yep. – that was a great group of physical individuals. Jared uh, Dillon was something else. I, I love, I love this play. I love this edge. Uh, yeah. Jared Dillon always played with a chip on his shoulder. You know, uh, very physical. I love watching him play, and uh, it was fun just being on the sidelines, uh, uh, watching the offense uh, take the field, and then also two special teams. We had a. Uh, uh, my senior year, the special teams captain was a guy named R.L. Beeman, who graduated. Right. He was a student athlete, but graduated number one in our class of about four or five thousand people. And he went on to Harvard to graduate from Harvard Law School, and now he's currently one of my attorneys. So uh, uh, the Pirates are uh, a great group of uh, individuals. I love them. They give it their all. And they always uh, show up to work, my friend. 
they will show up. Yeah, I had an opportunity to meet RL, and uh, he is a very impressive man as well. Uh, but uh, yeah, J Dog Dylan and and uh, Ernie, those guys were like my right hand guys after that group graduated the next year. They were like assistant strength coaches. I mean, uh, they were very demanding of the team, and of course. We were in transition there because the whole, pretty much the whole coaching staff left, but besides a couple guys, and when Steve Logan took the program, so I've always been very thankful for those guys because they they kind of held it together when all that transition took place. And I, okay, okay, and uh, you know, of course, our Ernie, uh, rest in peace. You know, it's yes. so sad to see, uh, you know, to see Ernie pass. Right. But uh, but yeah, so I was wondering if. Uh, you know, you've had some very interesting travels uh, around the globe um, and met some very interesting people that can you talk a little bit about your travels and some of the folks you met and some of the influences you had there? Well, uh, you know, after my eight years in Green Bay, uh, I went out to play for the Seattle Seahawks. And the owner of the Seattle he, uh, the Seattle Seahawks was a guy by the name of Paul Allen. And he was one of the co-founders with Bill Gates of Microsoft. And uh, Paul Allen owned the Seahawks and the Portland Trailblazers. And, and uh, he passed probably about, four, about maybe three, four years ago, probably. Uh, he was very interesting to me, uh, very non-assuming. Uh, very humble, even though he was uh, uh, a multi-billionaire. He was uh, a very pleasant individual that would invite the team over to his home to have dinner. Uh, he traveled with the team, and I really enjoyed spending time with him. Uh, but I've had a chance to be around uh, – some outstanding people uh, when it comes to uh, uh, businessmen. I look at Willie Davis, uh, the, the, the late Willie Davis who played for Vince Lombardi, uh, who at the time in his, uh, in his heyday was on the board of uh, Dow Chemicals, Kmart, uh, Sarah Lee, Harley Davidson. Uh, Northwest Mutual, Manpower, uh, We Energies. Uh, Willie Davis was uh, was a phenomenal man. 1989, he finished second to uh, Paul uh, to Paul Tagliabue, uh for the commissioner of the NFL, and uh, he was an outstanding Packer. He was an outstanding leader. So I had a chance to to build a relationship with him as well. Can you talk a little bit about your uh, trip to, uh, I think it was Israel, right? Yes, been to Israel. It was, uh, it was because, uh, uh, you know, one thing about growing up in, uh, in New Bern and growing up in Eastern North Carolina, especially the neighborhood I grew up in, we didn't have a lot of resources. We didn't have a lot of uh, material things but we did have our faith and that was strong. And that, and I think that's what kind of kept my neighborhood together. Even though, uh, uh, 
you know, drugs came through. We had a a, a crack ec- epidemic come through, like a virus, like the uh, like the coronavirus hit our country and hit the world. Uh, crack did that to my neighborhood and almost, uh, you know, uh, destroyed it. But uh, but one thing about uh, my neighborhood and, and so many other neighborhoods around the country, they're held together with faith. And, uh, and from reading the scriptures and reading scriptures with my mom and my grandma and going to church, when I was growing up, I always wanted to go to Israel. So I had a chance to go to Israel back in 2010, spend 10 days. And one of the best trips in my life. Had a chance to uh, to see it all. Had a, had a, you know, so it's very eye-opening. And I'm looking to go back in 2025 with the same group. Uh, there's a, a, a Jewish uh, college in Cincinnati that I went to go speak to a couple years ago. They'll like for me to make the trip with them when they go back to Israel coming up in 2025. So I uh, got to see what my wife thinks about that and yeah. uh, head back over because uh, there's nothing like uh, your faith. Because one thing about football, because your body takes such a, a beating, I think your faith is paramount. Right because it keeps you centered in your existence of a higher being and the creator of the universe, you know, uh, you have to stay connected. And I, I stay connected to the creator of the universe through our Lord and savior, Jesus Christ. Yes, sir. It's been a wonderful journey for me. And, uh, I'm looking forward. My birthday is coming up coach C in October. I'll be, (laughs) I'm going to be a double nickel. I'm going to be I'm, oh. going to be I'm going to be the double nickel so uh I'm on I got more years uh I I I I I got more years behind me than I do in front of me so these next 25 30 I, I really got to make it happen I I I got I got to make sure and I believe this uh I'm a servant leader it's all about my neighbors and my friends. So I, I really got to take it up a notch and make sure I'm taking care of my, I'm, my family's going to be taken care of, but I got to make sure my, my neighbors and my friends are taken care of before I, I step off and, uh, and let uh, Christian and his, uh, and his sons and, and family uh, carry the, uh, the mantle. But, uh, but thank you coach C for everything you've done for me and, and keeping me uh, uh, prayed up and keeping me in prayer. Uh, I want to thank you and uh, Michelle both because uh, the reason why I I keep bringing up Michelle because she's an extraordinary woman. You know, you look at the things that you've done uh, in your career, there's no way those things could have happened if you didn't have a woman like Michelle behind you. She's plat. She she's more than gold. Michelle is platinum. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. There's no doubt about that. Uh, yeah. She's my hero. Yeah, and, let her uh, know. Let her know. I said that she's platinum. I'll do that. Yep. And uh, yeah, she's done a 
she is so good at what she does in her profession and what she has done as a mom and now as a grandma. So uh, I just uh, sit back with amazement. Right. And uh, Coach, see, you come you come from a long you come uh, you talk about my neighborhood. But uh, I think one of the reasons why you was able to get along with a lot of the guys in the locker room is because, uh, you know, you come from uh, basically those coal mines. Yes, and, sir. Yep. And uh, and and what I'm trying to say is, uh, you didn't have it easy. Nothing. Nope. Was given, nothing was given to you and your family, and uh, I think you can relate to all the people in Eastern North Carolina. Because one thing about me, uh, uh, when I got to East Carolina and at Chowan, all my friends were from di different uh, communities, and, and that was the beauty of it. Our parents might have had different ideas, but that didn't necessarily mean that their children had to have right. those ideas and feelings. So I had some great friends. Uh, in, in Eastern North Carolina, and uh, I miss him every day. One of them is a guy named uh, 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 Thaddeus. I know that kind of sound black, but Thaddeus Lewis. <laughs> okay. But his name is TJ uh, from Wilson, North Carolina. Yep. I, and uh, had a carpet business. Ha has a carpet and flooring business. Um, great guy. And uh, he was there for me when uh, my first wife passed away, when Tanisha passed away. Uh, right. Basically, she, she passed away in the bed with me. Uh, uh, and that was, uh, that was tough to kind of um, bounce back from. But having an ecosystem of support of people like TJ and, and other friends uh, was able to kind of pull me through and and then after five years after my wife passed, I was able to uh, to get married again. And, and uh, I'm going on 10 years of being remarried. But people like T.J. Lewis and Frank Williamson and Ray Rogers back in uh, eastern North Carolina. And uh, I had a, 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 a whole crew of guys that uh, Rodney Moore, Rodney Harris, all those guys just uh, – just people working hard in Eastern North Carolina that uh that love me for me. And uh I miss them and I just want to thank them for all that they did for me because uh when that situation happened with uh with Tanisha, it was tough it was tough on old Coons. Yes, sir. Uh, because I am I am human. I, I'm not made out of uh granite. Uh, but to see the uh you know your you know, the mother of your kids deteriorate right in front of you. Uh, she was diagnosed at 30, at 35 years old with stage four breast cancer. And on top of that, she was six months pregnant. So uh, uh, I, I, I've, I've taken some on the chin, but I'm still standing. I've dropped, I've dropped to a knee before, but uh, it, it didn't knock me out. I'm still here. And I think what, um, uh, the neighborhood that I grew up, my faith, going to Chowan and then East Carolina kind of finishing me off and polishing me off and getting me ready for the big times, uh, not just from an athletic perspective, 
but from a business perspective, I've been okay. Uh, sitting on two paid boards now, five total boards, sitting on a Ascension uh, Healthcare, which is uh, this, the third largest healthcare system in Wisconsin with over 17,000 employees. We do about $6 billion a year. Um, on Horicon's oh, Banks Board, uh, we have about $1.5 billion in assets, 20 branches, 300 employees, uh, six of us. And uh, I help with the strate- uh, strategic direction and leadership of the bank. Uh, the vice chair of uh, CM Region Insurance, we do about two million, 200 million. And uh, wow. we have six, uh, six uh, board members on the vice chair. Uh, of that board. So uh, East Carolina got me ready for the big times. Uh, yes, sir. Like Mark, Mark Washington said, Coons, you did, uh, uh, he used to call me Tricky. Tricky, you did go to class. <laughs> he said, I, I put an APB out for you, trying to find you, but they said you was in class. Do it, do it, Smokey, do it, Mark Washington said. And I, to- I told the people, that's not true. He do not go to class. <laughs> oh yeah evidently i did go and i did learn a little something in east carolina they got me they got me prepared they gave me a great foundation and i was able to uh go to uh a grad school at marquette university and graduate with a 3.8 and uh, uh the university uh thought so much of my dissertation they turned it into a book is there life after football and uh, Sports Illustrated said in 2017, it was a top top sports-related book in the country. So uh, anything is anything is uh, possible if you believe in God. Well, before we close, uh, and and thank you so much for sharing all those things. Uh, just one more thing I wanted to ask you is that. Uh, you know, I know you were with Atlanta first, and I think in the World League, and you had to fight your way into to your your role in Green Bay, and you know, and you uh, the heart that you put in, and the longevity that you had in the league. Uh, what do you think creates longevity in the NFL, and and what are the things that you think with guys that are maybe very talented but don't last very long? Uh, what are the things that take you down and what are the things that make you stay? Mm. Well, Coach C, uh, let me see if I can get this right. Uh, I don't think it's ability when you when we're talking about the NFL now. Yeah, I don't think it's all about ability. I think it's more about availability. Because you can be an unbelievable athlete with all these tools and skills and be a first rounder, but, but, but you injure one thing yeah. about the national football league, they're going to send you on your way because right. one thing about the green Bay Packers and those other 31 uh, uh, football franchises, when you get there, it's all about production right, and availability. It just so happened that um, I played in counting playoff games. I played in 135, 135 games, and I started 128. 
end up starting 92% of the games I played in. And if you go back and do the numbers, we're talking about a team that went to two straight Super Bowls, three straight NFC championships, and this little kid from Duffinfield, New Bern, North Carolina, East Carolina University. If you average out the pay over those eight years I was in Green Bay, my salary stands at number five from a little kid from Duffinfield. So my thing to the kids who may be listening, to the youth, if you have a dream, stick with it. It might sound crazy to somebody else, but it's not crazy to you. Because I had a dream of playing in the National Football League, and the reason why I want to play uh, is because watching Monday night with Howard Cosell when I was nine years old, I saw the intro, him and Don Meredith, and I saw those skyscrapers. And I told my mom, I said, I want to go into, I want to play in the National Football League because I want to stay in one of those hotel rooms because I think that's where the team stayed before the, the night before the game. Right. It was nothing about money. It was nothing about uh, getting rich. For me, it was all about staying in a hotel. But that was my dream. Right. And I was able to accomplish that. But I had a, a unbelievable support system. I'm going to say an ecosystem of support individuals like yourself that surrounded me and, uh, and picked me up when I was down. I was able to uh, uh, start 10 games as a rookie, undrafted rookie. And never came out of the starting lineup, therefore, going forward. I hear that. Well, <clears throat> I really appreciate the interview, George. And uh, I'm sure I'll be talking to you sometime in the near future. And uh, uh, I, I wish you the best at the university. Right. Uh I know that your your position, just by the nature of the title, uh, I know that you have to interact with people every day. Is that correct? Exactly. Raise money, put partnerships together, and okay. uh, uh, and I'm gonna get my opportunity. Uh, yeah. To, my role and my voice is gonna gonna get bigger, you know, because uh, one thing about uh, leadership that never goes out of style. And and uh, I'm gotcha. gonna continue to be. Uh, I'm gonna continue to grow as a leader. I'm gonna get better, and uh, opportunities are gonna come my way, and I'm gonna be ready. But I never forget the people that help help get me here. Um, and you know, Wes Craven, they gave me a great foundation. Uh, yep. There's about three or four, three or four of my classmates that taught me how to write. Gotcha. <laughs> They have to be co-eds, though. They uh, they have to be co-eds. They they taught me how to write, and uh, I've been writing ever since. And uh, and I just want to let the youth know: if George Coons can do it, they can do it. You just gotta be. You just gotta stick. You just gotta stick to your plan. You gotta you gotta put that plan together and stick to it. And uh, and you can accomplish everything and even more than what I've accomplished. Because uh, 
Like I we talked about 10,000 guys played in one game for the Green Bay Packers. Only two of them, you know, uh, that, that, that sounds good and sexy, but only two of them went on to receive a PhD, and one of them is from East Carolina University visiting with you on this Sunday afternoon. Yes, sir. Well, thanks so much for being on, and I'm going to go ahead and, and sign off now. Uh, this is Jeff Connors uh, signing off for Absolute Empowerment. Uh, God bless, and join us next week. Thanks a lot. Thank you. You've been listening to Absolute Empowerment with Coach Jeff Connors on the Sports Objective. Join us every Monday night for a new edition of the show. Listen to the show pretty much everywhere podcasts are found. Be sure to follow us on social media at the Sports OBJ on Twitter and TikTok, at the Sports Objective on Instagram. Like and follow our Facebook page and subscribe to our YouTube channel. As always, we appreciate you listening to the show. And go Pirates!